Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Hey, what's good? Welcome back. Welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and as always, I'm excited, but I'm particularly excited this time because uh, what I'm going to share with you today is hands down probably one of the most important things that I can share with you with regard to changing your trajectory and going further faster in your life. And that's a big claim, but if you bear with me, you're going to see that it's true because I'm about to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm about to give you the license to kill. (laughs) And when I say kill, I mean kill the thing that hinders you the most. You know, there's a saying, and the saying is nothing torments us more than our own thoughts. Nothing causes us more long-term pain than our own thoughts. And you think about that. No, well, wait a minute. You know what? I've been injured before or somebody has said something to me before that has caused me a lot of pain. And I'm not going to deny that. And of course, that, that may be true. But when something happens, it goes away as quickly as it happens. If you get hurt, if you get injured, that injury is gone as soon as it happens. The pain happens the intense pain happens, and then as time goes on, it fades. So if somebody said something to you and it hurt your feelings, or if somebody said something about you and it hurt your feelings, or somebody physically attacked you, which has happened to me in my life, that's only temporary. That pain is going to show up, and that pain is only going to be there for the duration of the time that it happened. Then after that, it lives in your mind. It lives in your thoughts. And it's the repetition of those thoughts, the remembering those thoughts, consciously and unconsciously, that continues that pain, that makes you relive that pain, that brings it back up, that makes it feel sometimes even worse than the actual pain itself. And here's the bad part about it. When it comes back up, if it happens enough times and nothing is done about it, it becomes a belief. It becomes part of your identity and the way that you live and part of your current past. And when I say current past, I mean it lives in you unconsciously, kind of like an operating system on your phone or on your computer. You don't even know that it's there, but it's running you. And if you've been around me for any length of time, you always know that I'm talking about when I say what runs you, I mean the biochemical makeup of the blood that courses through your system every given moment of your life is made up of different substances, cortisol, adrenaline, testosterone, oxytocin, you name it. 
There are well over a hundred different chemicals and solutions that your body releases because of different thoughts. And the combination of those are what bring about the combination or the mixtures of the emotions that you'll feel. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you think a happy thought, remember, what is a thought? A thought are just the words and the pictures that you make in your mind. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. The thoughts are just whatever you're saying to yourself in that moment or whatever you're imagining in that moment. Now, we'll talk about what triggers them here in just a moment, but understand that that's all that you're doing all day long. And more specifically, about 80 to 85% of the time, you're just asking questions, asking and answering questions. Your brain is going, okay, well, what does this mean? Oh, that means this. Oh, look at that. What does that mean? And that's what our brain is designed to do, is to decipher and figure things out constantly. Now, with every picture and every word comes along a biochemical change, meaning that your body, your brain is going to release endorphins and dopamines and, like I said, adrenalines and oxytocin and the combination of those things. It is an unlimited combination of things that brings up an unlimited amount of, of emotions. But think about this. If you have the same thoughts, if your thoughts are constant, and remember, they become unconsciously constant if you just never do anything about it. You just let them keep on going. If they're constant, then that constant combination of chemicals that your body is releasing, your, your hormones and, and uh, the different chemicals that your body's releasing, then that is going to be the mood, the attitude, the demeanor pessimistic or optimistic or whatever you want to call it. That is who you are. That's who all of us are. Now, that's kind of a no-brainer and a really, a really simple way of looking at it, a really simple way of uh, breaking it down. There's obviously more to it than that. But if you understand just those fundamentals, then you can understand what's next, what you can do about it. And so let me back up for a second and, and uh, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your ability to change your mind. And what I mean by that is this, you know, when people think about changing their mind, they think about, okay, well, I changed my mind and I changed my decision, but that's not what I'm talking about. You know, you can change your decision, which is changing your mind. Yeah. But I'm talking about changing your thoughts for all of the reasons, as I pointed out before, as soon as you change your thoughts, then guess what? You're going to change the chemicals that flow through your blood and you're going to change how you feel. And if you change how you feel, you change what you do, you change what you do, then obviously you change what you get. You know me. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. And as I do, so I have. That's the fundamental makeup, the Joseph, the Joseph McClendon III, cure for the common life. Here's how you function as a human being and then how to use that information to get the very best out of yourself. If you just understand that, then you can get it that, wait a minute, can I change my thoughts? The answer is yes. And I'm going to give you a really simple, easy exercise to do, but you got to do it and you'll get the results. Now, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, you know, what's the difference between my life now and the lives of the people that I've had the privilege of, of uh, coaching and mentoring throughout the time? What's the difference between, between who they are now and who I am now than who I am and who they were years ago? And if you think about it yourself, what's the difference between you now and you then? What are the habits that you still have that are good? What are the habits that you have that are bad? What are the behaviors that you have? What you have right now is everything is an accumulation of all the experiences that you've had in the past. Let me think about this. Everything that you've ever touched, tasted, smelled, 
felt, heard. Every experience that you have is locked away in your brain. It's there somewhere. And it is retrievable. There's different ways of getting it, but it's all there. I liken it to, let's say, the hard drive in your computer, or it's on the cloud. Now, the human brain is a thousand times smarter and has more memory than any computer you can possibly imagine. It's faster, and it handles more things than, than even the greatest, I don't even know what you call them anymore, <laughs> the greatest computers on the planet. Because if you think about it, your brain has to handle millions of decisions and operations every day just to keep you alive. It's got to send signals constantly. It's got to monitor you. It's got to regulate you. It's got to send signals to your to your bloodstream. It's got to send signals to your muscles. It's got to send signals to your heart constantly, 24-7. It never stops. And has been that way since conception, since zygote, the moment that sperm hit the egg. But the difference is this, between you and a computer, computer may have less memory, but it has instant access to any of those memories. If I asked you, what were you doing February 13th, 2011 at eight o'clock, you wouldn't know. It's in there, but you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able to find it. And it's, arguably, there's people that say that through hypnosis and, and different forms of mental man manipulation and psychological manipulation, you can go back and find those things with a certain degree of accuracy. But your computer, if you registered something, if you put something down, if you recorded something, that computer can go back to that exact moment and tell you what it was. It can bring it back. You don't have that ability at your fingertips, nor do you want it, nor should you have it. Because that'd be so much more for you to have to deal with every day that you would overload. You'd just stay in overwhelm. And so our creators gave us this mechanism in ourselves to rationalize and to condense and to delete and to distort things in our minds that we feel are not important. What you were doing, doing February 3rd or 13th, whatever I said at three o'clock in the afternoon, that's not really a big deal. So it pushes it way back there. It's not something that you use. But if on that date you had a car accident and, and broke your leg, then guess what? That's going to register. That's going to be something meaningful to you. And your brain is always going to remember it, and it's going to play it over and over again to keep you remembering, to remind you never to do that again, or vice versa. If there was something pleasurable that happened, if that was the day that you won the state lottery, $70 million, then I promise you <laughs> that day you'll remember for the rest of your life. And it's going to run as one of the operating systems, the CDs or the DVDs that runs in your your unconscious mind consciously that makes you unconsciously that makes you feel a certain way. If you won the lottery, then guess what? That memory is going to play over and over again. That thought is going to play over and over again. And guess what? You are going to feel like you're a lucky person because that combination of substances that your body released gives you that kind of attitude. And that kind of attitude is going to support you in whatever you go after. When you go doing something else, there's a part of you that says, hey, I can do this because I'm lucky. But the brain is real tricky. You know that. The brain tends to, depending on how it is stimulated, the brain tends to go one way or the other. If you are stimulated, if you have been had the fortune 
of being stimulated to look at what's great and to look at what's positive and to focus on what's great and to and to look at on the bright side and every cloud has a silver lining, then guess what? That's the kind of person you're going to be because your brain is used to pointing in that direction. And you're going to have many more episodes of that type of experience going through because that's what you notice. Because we have another mechanism in our brain called a reticular activating system. Big words, but all it is is it's this system set up in our brain by our creators that says, whatever I look for, I'm going to find more of. As ye seek, so shall ye find. You probably noticed it before. Maybe you were um, you were shopping for a new car, or an object, or, or whatever it was, and you you noticed something once. And then all of a sudden you start to see more of them around. Or you heard a word that you like that word. And you go, hey, that's an interesting word. And then all of a sudden you hear it two, three, more, five times in the week that you never heard the word before. That is your reticular activating system at, at work. You know, there's some say, which, and I say it as well, you're actually attracting that stuff into your life. And there's some that are saying it was always there. You just notice more of it. You know, there's an experiment and, and, you know, I'm not with you right now. And if you're driving, certainly don't do this. But when you get home, try it out. If you're sitting somewhere, try this out. Look around the room and I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, notice everything that is blue in the room. And if you look around, you know, in my room, I'm in my, my music studio and, the, you know, the walls are all blue and there's, there's blue on one of my guitars back here. There's a blue ink pen here. There's a blue uh, wristband here. And you can use any color that you want, but choose one color. Notice how much of it it is. And what you'll probably start to notice is that you're seeing more of that color than you thought before, that you noticed before. Now, as you're looking around, you found that color. Notice even more of it. And then all I want you to do is close your eyes. Now, keep your eyes closed. And now, tell me, or think to yourself, everything that you notice in your mind that is red. Yeah, that is red. And now open your eyes. And you're probably starting to notice more red. And again, I'm going out on a limb because I'm not out there with you right now. But you're probably starting to notice that there's more red. You didn't notice that there was red in the carpet or red somewhere else or blah, 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 or whatever other color you chose in that moment. The blue still exists, but you're probably starting to notice more red now. And what that means is, is your reticular activating system is at work because not only does it find more because when you look for it, as soon as I said that other color, or as soon as that popped into your head, and it's going to find more of it. But what you probably didn't notice, you didn't realize while you were looking for the blue, if that was your first color, is it deleted all of the red. You didn't notice the red when you're looking for blue. And so remember earlier I said that the brain has this mechanism, this tricky part about it that says whatever I'm, gonna, whatever I'm told to look for, what I'm going to search for, I'm going to find more of it. But our brain deletes things as well. So it deletes other, those other things. Why do I say that? Because if you have been taught, if you've had the experience, if you've had the stimulation to look for what's great in your life, then guess what your brain is deleting? It's deleting the negative stuff. It's squashing it down. If you've had that privilege or if you had that, that opportunity to be raised that way or something stimulated you or influenced you to, to life to look for what's great and that's what you look for, then that's what types of chemicals are flowing through your system more often than not and it's deleting all that negative stuff. Now, you know, the title of this, of this particular uh, podcast is How to Change Your Mind. 
And so obviously what I want to talk to you about is how to shift wherever you are right now to being that type of person that releases those types of chemicals slash solutions slash hormones more than it does the other. How to train yourself so that that is where your reticular activating system is pointed. That's what you see more of. And you delete more of the negative stuff. Now, with this caveat, I am not saying that this is going to take you away from looking at any of the negative stuff because you got to look at that stuff. It just depends on how, how long you look at it because staring at it is going to make you feel that way. And none of your solutions and none of your forward motion and none of your trajectory is going to go that way if you're staring at that the whole time. All I'm saying is let's look at what you need to look at and then get on to the good stuff. Get on to the solution. Because as you're probably starting to tell, all I'm talking about is getting you to think differently, getting your brain to think differently when it is more convenient, if you will, to utilize what's already there. You know, I have this term, and that is dare to make your life magnificent. Dare to be magnificent. But magnificent means to magnify the essence of who you already are. And what I mean by that in this situation here is who you already are is there is a part of you that looks for what's great. There is a part of you that's optimistic. There is a part of you that looks for a solution. There is a part of you that is joyful. It just depends on how much of it. I say is, otherwise you wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't still be drawing breath. If there wasn't some part of you that is optimistic, that gets up every day and says, okay, I'm going to do this. You might not be conscious of it, but it's there. It's part of the human nature. It's what keeps us alive. And so as you're looking for the things that you, you don't want, is you're looking for the things that, and I say looking for, you might not be consciously, but oftentimes we're looking there. You got to ask yourself, well, what makes me do that? Because you may have been raised in a great family. You may have had all of the benefits of, of money in your house. You're all of the benefits of, of positive people in your house or not. You may be on the other end of the spectrum or anywhere in between, wherever you are, wherever you were, here you are right now. And all you want to do right now is to step up your game. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. And so let's get an agreement. Let's have an agreement that no matter where you are right now, you want more. No matter where you are, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, you want more. And just so you know, that's the way the human brain works. We're designed to want more. Even when we get more, we still want more. It's, part, it's in our DNA. And so part of changing anything is being aware first. Being aware of where you are, what you are. And before I do that, let me talk to you about what stimulates a person to, to be a certain way. Now, Part of the reason I'm having this conversation is because, as you may or may not know, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring and, and working with a lot of people, helping them go further, faster in those areas of their life. They're mental. I'm sorry. They're, they're emotional. They're financial. They're financial and their physical body. And I get a lot of questions that come across. And they, Joseph, you know, I, I procrastinate. I hesitate. You know, I doubt myself. You know, sometimes I just don't feel like doing something. And I feel you. Because I'm human too. I've gone through it and go through it times and times now. But here's what I want to say to you. And if you can take notes, write it, write this down. There are no fearless people. Nobody is fearless. And when I say fear, I don't just mean being afraid of something, you know, danger showing up. I mean the chemical storm that takes place 
when you think about something that causes you pain. Think about something that could cause you pain. That's fear. It's the emotion that is produced when we focus on and we, or we slash think about something that cause, could cause us harm or pain, whether it is real or not. And that's the key, whether it is real or not. Because in nature, in the caveman days, the tiger shows up, the saber-toothed tiger shows up, that's real impending danger. Could kill your ass. The caveman or the cavewoman looks at the tiger, and the caveman brain goes, this is real. And what this means is this thing could eat me and my family. And the brain goes, now it's time to focus on this, not anything else. Let's focus on this. And it deletes everything else around. And the chemicals that get released in that moment, because he's focusing on the tiger or focusing on the danger of the tiger, the brain releases adrenaline, the, or sorry, so the brain, the body releases adrenaline and releases cortisol, raises the blood pressure, dilates the eyes, changes everything about you, and says, get the hell out of here or fight this thing. And one of those things happens. It's called fight or flight. Caveman, cavewoman either runs away and lives or fights and lives or runs away and gets caught and eaten or fights and loses and gets eaten. Either way, guess what? The fear is gone. Either way, the fear goes away. You know why? Because the tiger's gone. If he ran away and lived, the tiger's gone. If he or she fought and lived, the tiger's gone. If the tiger's gone, so is the fear. Because remember at the top of this, I said that the fear, that the pain, that the memory, the pain happens and then it's gone. That's what I mean. The danger is gone. Even if the poor caveman or cavewoman died. Guess what? The fear is gone either way. But that's the olden days. Because the olden days, what happened was the tiger showed up, anything happened, the tiger goes away. You live another day and the caveman goes on to something else. But nowadays it's different. Nowadays it's different because we are constantly stimulated by our own thoughts and we're constantly stimulated by the media. We're constantly th stimulated by outside influences, constantly telling us that we're not good enough, telling us that we don't make enough money, telling us that we should be doing this. We're not smart enough. We're not thin enough. We're not muscular enough. We're not good looking enough. We're not whatever. It's constant. And in some pretty nefarious ways, as far as I'm concerned. You know, when I was in college, I had the privilege of studying something called subliminal suggestion, and it would blow your mind what goes on without you thinking about it, without you even knowing that it's there. Some time ago, I was hired by a, we'll leave them nameless at this point, a television network. And the company hired me because they were a, I think, they, I think it's called a syndicated network where this whole network, they didn't produce shows. They just rebroadcasted shows. This is back in the, the, the uh, cable days. They just rebroadcast shows from other networks. And the company was making the move from being a syndicated, if that was the, the name, if I can't, I can't remember, from a syndicated network to a network that started to make its own movies, kind of like Netflix now. When Netflix started, they didn't make their own movies they only or, or their own shows. They only played 
already existing shows. And that's kind of like what this was. And so they hired me because they said, well, we want to produce our own shows, but we want to do it smart. And we want to be able to see the most effective shows and why they're effective. And you're a psychologist, Joseph, so maybe you can go in and you can see some of the reasons why they're effective. And of course, you know, I did. I took on the job and, and, I, and there's more of them. But what I found is there are 12 what I call markers. And markers are things, I, I call them markers because I, you, can, you can mark exactly where they are in the program that cause a person to behave, think, or focus a certain way. And I'm going to give you just one, and I'm, I'm doing actually another podcast on this where I'll get more in depth, but I want you to know when I said nefarious, I mean it. They're, they don't necessarily have your best interest at heart. Now, for, for starters, any television show, any network, they make their money, and it's a business, through advertising. The advertisers pay them a whole lot of money. And when I say a whole lot of money, I mean a whole lot of money. I've worked with TV stars that make Anywhere from a hundred thousand to a half a million dollars per episode. I think uh, uh, Seinfeld uh, at one point they were making a million dollars per episode, and so they make that money through advertisement. It's constant, and so guess what their outcome is? The network is to keep those eyes on the screen. That's what it's designed to do at any cost: is to keep you there even and especially during the commercials. And so I said there's 12 of them, but I'm going to give you one of them just in the essence of time uh, uh, so that you'll understand it. And this is an obvious one. Everybody knows them, and it's called a cliffhanger. You've seen it, these variety shows or these these Dances with the Stars or uh, any of those shows that are competition shows, and they get people, they pit them against every, each other. And they'll say, for example, okay, there's three couples, uh, you know, dance couples or whatever, three people on this on the stage here, and they say, Two of you are safe, one of you is going home. And they say, the couple that will be staying is couple number one. And couple number one celebrates and everything's great and everything. There's two people left, or two couples left. And they say, the couple that is going to be going home tonight, and this is the end of your journey, and you will not be coming back. You're going to pack your stuff up and you'll leave tonight. Is couple number, and the music builds up, I'm doing this for effect, by the way. Is couple number... Is couple number... We're going to reveal it as soon as we come back from this commercial break. And boom, they go away. And you know that it's happening. But you can't do anything about it. Now you're, you've got... You're, they've worked you up to a place where your curiosity is going, I got to get this answer. Even if it's stupid. Even if you're not... You, you look at these shows and half of them, you're not that entertained by it. But now what they've done, done is they've tapped into your reticular activating system that says, look for this, and this is what's important, and guess what? You'll stay right there. And then what happens, as soon as the commercial goes on, you probably haven't noticed this, the volume goes up by 25%. And they do that because if you do choose to get up, which most of us don't, then they want to keep your attention. Now, why do I say this? Because this is how we're stimulated all the time. It's telling us what to think. And we are out of control of our own thoughts. You're never in that moment going, what do I want in that moment? You know, what should I be doing with my life? How can I progress forward? How do I want to feel? What's great about what's going on? What am I grateful for? What am I happy for? What's best in my life? What am I awesome about? That's not what you're thinking about. You're occupied. And so the reason I say that, and I talk about you changing your own mind, is awareness is always the first step. Always the first step. What are you commonly thinking? 
And so there's three types of thoughts that you need to be aware of. If you've been around me before, you know what those thoughts are. These are your beliefs, your core beliefs, your belief about yourself, your belief about other people, and your belief about the world around you. Situations, circumstances, things that are going on around you. What do you think about those things? And so I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with it. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what to do. And then I'm going to give you your assignment so that you can get a result of changing your mind. You can become a killer <laughs> of those thoughts. And so all I want you to do is on in your journal, because if you've been following me, I told you a long time ago, if you're listening to me, I'm going to ha- give you something to do, you know, grab a pad and paper. And I want you to write down, what do you think about you? Spend some time, go deep, take a minute and do it. What are your thoughts? Go dirt on us and be quiet. Don't put on any music. Don't let anything else go around and think about what you think about yourself. Do you really think you're amazing? Do you really think that you're smart? Do you really think that you're positive? Or do you really think that there's something wrong with you? Do you think that you're flawed? Do you think that there's that, that you could be doing better? Do you think you're unlucky? Anything that flows out of you, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it two different ways, the positive and the negative. And say, well, I don't know about this. If you don't know, that's negative. That's not good. And I want you to make a list. And then I want you to do the same thing about what you think about other people. Are they good? Do you believe that most people are are honest? Do you believe that most people have your best interest at heart? Do Do you believe that most people are compassionate and loving? And I'm just giving you some examples, but I want you to spend the time with you. Because remember, this is the cure for the common life. The common person never even thinks about this stuff. The common person just goes on and lets television and lets the media and lets friends and lets those old thoughts regurgitate over and over again and keeps those chemicals flowing through their body and stay in the same way. But not you. <laughs> You're a badass. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But what do you think about people? Do you think that people are dishonest? Do you think that people are, are uh, hurtful? Do you think that people are, are, in general, pessimistic, uncreative? What do you think? Write it down. This is no judgment on you, and I don't want you to judge you either. But write down the good and the bad, what you think about them. And then thirdly, what do you think about the world around you, situations and circumstances? Do you think life sucks? Do you think that life is designed to give us hardship over and over again? Do you think that most people are designed to, you know, to be followers? What do you think? Again, no judgment. Do you believe that life is a crackling substance of energy that is there for the choosing whatever you want? You can create whatever you want. The situations and circumstances are there to be made. Do you believe that you make your own fate? Do you believe that fate is destined? Do you believe? What do you believe? Explore. Go deep inside yourself. And then once you have that list, then it's really, really simple. Weed out, separate the good from the bad. And all I want you to do is this. When you look at what you believe that's good about yourself, I want you to find a reference. As you seek, so shall ye find. If you believe that you're a good, honest person, look for a reference that backs that up. Maybe it was the, t- I'll give you an example for me. I believe that I'm a good, caring, honest person. I care about other people and I want to help other people. And when I think of what the reference is, I go all the way back to when I was like eight or nine years old, a couple things happened in my life and I got to give the credit to my mom. My mom would have us do things. She would do basket brigades. And this is many, many years ago when, the, you know, it wasn't popular like it is right now. It's not spread all over the place on, on uh, holidays and things like that. She would go out and she would, she would do basket brigades and bring food to families that didn't have it. We didn't have much, but she would, she would do that. And we were always a part of that. And I always found joy in doing that. 
And she also would make my sister, Ava, and I, when we were young, she would make us go, make us go door to door and collect money for the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And I got to be honest with you, I hated it in the very beginning. I got things thrown at me. I got doors slammed in my face. I got name called. I got racial slurs yelled at me. But you know what? I collected that money. My sister actually, my sister and I actually one year in the state that we were in, it was California, were the top money collectors for our age. And so when we got that award, when we got that reward and we saw the people that we were helping, that made me feel good. And so I have that reference. And then through my life, I have those references of where I've helped somebody. What are your references? What are your references if you put down that you're a smart person? What are your references are? Did you pass a test? Did somebody say to you? Now, why am I doing this? And by the way, you can do it with all, all three of those things. Because the, remember what I said in the very beginning, whatever your brain repeats is what your brain will accept and it will become your unconscious operating system that runs underneath you constantly. And so as ye seek, so shall ye find. As you look for it and you write it down, then I always say it, what you write, you invite. And as you write it down, your brain is going to go, oh, this is true. This feels good. And as long as you reward yourself, as long as you pat yourself on the back or shake that ass or do whatever it takes to make yourself feel good upon having searched for that, then it's going to go deep into your nervous system. And that is going to become your unconscious thought. That is how you kill the, the unconscious, th- the, the negative thoughts. Now, there's other ways. And, uh, you know, I taught you about pattern, inter- pattern interrupts and you can do that. But you notice I didn't say do anything about the negative thoughts at this stage right now. All I'm saying for you right now is to look for what's great and for and reinforce it. Search for it. And your brain is going to start to rewire itself. Now, on the next podcast, I'm going to talk to you about interrupting that pattern so that we can get rid of the negative stuff. But for now, if you just repeat anything, anything, anything over and over again, your nervous system is going to say, this is true. This is how it is. This is what's real. This is what I believe. If you just do that over and over again. So here's your assignment. Like I said, I want you to write down the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Let's just say the good and the bad. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about other people, and what you believe about the world around you. Write those down. And then number two, go only on the good side and find your references for what makes you believe those things. Look for it. Your reticular activating system is going to be activated. You'll search for it. You'll find it. It's as simple as that. When you find them, and by the way, make that list as long as you can. Don't get lazy about it. I want to make that list, you know, you can write pages and pages of stuff about about this stuff, but spend the time to do it. And as you do it, when you finish that assignment, and I want you to do this every day. I want you to write it down. If you can think of anything else, write it down. Memories, those kinds of things, write it down. And search for those things. And when you search for them, when you find them, you'll feel that rise inside of you. The chemicals are being released. Just squeeze your fist and say yes. Pat yourself on the back. Stand up and shake your ass. Do whatever it takes in that moment. Because what you're doing is you're teaching your nervous system. You're giving your nervous system clear-cut instructions to embed that stuff inside of you as a belief. And while it's doing it, it's going to be pushing the other stuff away. pushing the other stuff out. Now, that's one way. And again, because if you're, you know, you might be one of these people going, well, Joseph, we didn't do anything about the negative stuff. We will. But for now, I want you to set yourself up for success. This is how you become a killer. This is how you become someone that, that deletes and distorts and gets that stuff out of you and programs yourself for success and to go further faster. And yes, I'm doing a cliffhanger on you right now, aren't I? Because I'm saying, do this. And further down the road, I'm going to show you some more. And so your assignment is really, really clear. But as usual, I always want you to remember this. 
that life is exactly what you dare to make it, and fortune favors the bold. The trick to life is to boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. In this case, be bold enough to do the assignments. I look forward to serving you again, and remember, there is a cure for the common life, and you got it inside of you. Be blessed. I'm out. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.